What's up, Jesus people? It's Ursula. Hey, 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 and AJ. Welcome to the One Lost Sheep podcast and to All Eyes on Jesus, where we take a look at Old Testament prophecy fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ and try to prove mathematically that he is God. Is that the name of the episode? <laughs> yeah, all, all eyes on Jesus. <laughs> I, didn't even know that. <laughs> I told you that, AJ. I think you might we have. texted about it. You said, I love it. <laughs> you said it, and I was like, where, where are we going? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Okay. Well, How the heck are you, by the way? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, so today's about prophecies, which was so much fun. <laughs> Pro- we're looking at the prophecies? Yeah. I, I thought so. I know. I but you it. sounded sarcastic. I, you know what? Because it's not cut and dry and I really wanted it to be, you know, yes. I wanted my homework to be easy and mm-hmm. it wasn't. Um, but I have a question for you. Yeah. This just goes to like what I figured out when, when I was doing it. Have you ever dreamt of God? Like, I know you said your dream about hell, but have you ever dreamt of God or Jesus? No, actually, I don't think so. I mean, I, I'm assuming I would have remembered, so no. Me either. Isn't that weird? I guess. I don't know why, but when I get to my part of it, <laughs> you'll understand oh, why. Oh, but, oh okay, yeah. I, but, I, I'm interested to hear now why it's weird that we haven't dreamt about Jesus yet. No, I just, that has nothing to do with it. Just the dreams. Other people have had dreams of Jesus in the Bible, and I was just... Oh, in the Jesus Bible. Or an angel of God or whatever. I've never had a dream of an angel or God. Well, I know that God can, Jesus, or, you know, God can communicate through dreams. And there's many instances in the Old Testament, but I think it's, you know, on a case by case basis yeah. when he needs you, Why he's going to make you dream. It's <laughs> what I'm asking. I'm just kidding. Um, how was your weekend, by the way? It was good. It was busy. It was busy. I feel like I said the same thing when it was the holidays. <laughs> they were busy. It was busy. I feel like I was kind of all over the place. My friend had like a jewelry party. I had dinner with you. I forgot I had dinner with you. Yeah. Ursula made amazing pizza. Amazing pizza. I know. You asked me for the recipe and I'm like, mm, here's like six pages of recipe. <laughs> it's like many it steps. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm, not. I'm like, like, she's never going to make this. No. <laughs> no just, I will. I'm going to have to make it for you again. No, because I brought some home. I just realized I'm chewing gum. Anywho, I brought some home and Al tried it and he was like, this is so good. And then I ate it all and I'm like, well, you're not going to get any of it. (laughs) I gave you a lot. I know. I I think Al had one piece. If he even had one piece. Oh my God. You poor Al. Al, Al, if you ever need food, come to my house, please. I don't, I don't like what she's doing to you. All the cookies. AJ brought over like a gigantic box of cookies for my children, which she already should have not brought because she knows how I feel about <laughs> sugar. But then she she wouldn't take them back. I said, take some for Al. She took one cookie. I chased you around the house with more. I was like, take more. And you didn't. And then and then Al texted us the next day and he's like, wait, she only brought me one cookie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In our group text. Yeah, I, I did. I only brought him one. He said, bring me one home. <laughs> I took it literal. I brought what? I know, but I tried to convince you at home to give him more. I was like, bring him more. And you were like, need more. He, that's what you said. He doesn't need more. 
He's a sugar fiend. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's more people in your household and Let, I wouldn't need them. So. Let's pray for Al, everyone. <laughs> let's take a moment of prayer. <laughs> so I had a great weekend. I saw my, my childhood best friend this weekend. Aw. And she, we, so, and the funny thing is we realized after we hung out, I was like, the last time we hung out, just her and I, like one-on-one, I'm almost positive it was probably like over 10 years ago. For real? Yeah, because well, we're mothers, you know, and and she lives, you know, she lives in Chicago, which isn't that far, but it's an hour. So when you have to factor in like two hours of, I mean, when as a mom do you have two plus hours of just freedom? Yeah. I mean, we've seen and talked to each other, of course, but just that alone time. We stayed up till four in the morning talking. Oh, my Lanta, I would not, I could not. Have. You, you know what? I normally can't, but we were just so, and, and you know, it's funny because we were talking and I was like, you know, it's such a priceless feeling to she. I mean, she. We've known each other since we were twelve. She knows crazy everything about me. She knows everything about me, and I was like, it's so nice to be in the same room as a person who knows everything about you, and there's no judgment. Yeah, there is no nothing, and it, and you're so comfortable. And I'm like, you know, that has to be a metaphor for God, that type of friendship, because it's a rare feeling. But that's Jesus to us, you know, like. No matter what we've done, he knows us intimately. And you know what? He loves us intimately. He wants to be with us all the time. Like he's he's like desperate for us, you know? And I'm like, that's so beautiful because despite all these flaws and despite all of the stories that I have, none of that matters. Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> but it did get me thinking, what's your biggest struggle with Jesus? My biggest struggle. You always put me on the spot. Like, I have to pick one. I'm going to think about this later and be like, wait, no. I can go while you're thinking. Because it dawned on me this weekend, for real, that the my biggest struggle with Jesus is that he's not physical. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's not physical. It's like sometimes, you know, when I'm going through something, you know, like, and I know I have people on this earth that, like, you know, God has given me and and family on this earth and friends on this earth that I have that I'm so lucky and so blessed by. But sometimes, you know, I want to text you, Jesus. Yeah. You know, I want to hug you, Jesus. He's real. And I have a relationship with him, you know, but sometimes I'm just like, I'm desperate for more. Like, like it feels one-sided. I mean, it feels one-sided. It, well, not, it, I mean, it doesn't because you. I see his blessing on yeah. my life. It doesn't feel one-sided. And it's, the communication. Yeah. I feel like. Yes. Yeah. That's what it is. You know, it's like sometimes I'm talking you know, and I'm praying at night and I'm like, I just, I need something more sometimes. Yeah. Like, I just want to hear your voice. Could you just speak to me? I know. I know. It'll be, it'll be great to, <clears throat> you okay? <Sorry>. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like right now I'm more struggling with, how do I say it? Kind of like making sure that I'm not getting in the way of him, you know? Yeah, I like, do know. Like, like your like, like your earthly my, self. Yeah, like I'm not being selfish or prideful or making it about me. Like I want to make sure my heart is about him. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like even this podcast, like I don't want it to be about me. Like I want people to follow Jesus. Like we're called to follow Jesus. Like don't care about me, care about him. Of course. Yeah. No, I do know what you mean because that's, you know, that's what, you know, that's what the Apostle Paul writes so much about is that he's being pulled yeah. by his earthly self, you know, and, and, and no matter what he does, he's like a slave to sin. And this is a guy who 
wrote half the New Testament, right? Like he, even he was like, I am a slave to sin. And so I get it. Gosh, that's exactly how I feel. (laughs) That's it. That's the words. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. Yeah, that was a good question. Coming at me so hard sometimes. (laughs) You could give me a warning, a heads up, a little preparation would be nice. We just, I will next time. I'm sorry. Well, but uh, so should I not ask you my next question? I I give you warning. (laughs) Go ahead. No, I think this one will be easy. What's an unexpected perk you found of following Jesus? And like just unexpected that you're like, oh, I get this has to be a product of Jesus, but I'm I appreciate it right now. Kind of caring less about people and more about him. That is true. It's a good one. It has taken me a long time to get here. And obviously, I still fall short sometimes, but. I'm getting good. <laughs> I'm getting yes. good. Actually, a, fr- a group of us were just talking about people pleasing. And I just told a friend, like, I'm a recovering people pleaser. Just, <laughs> That's a great. And it's not that it, I love helping people. That's not it. But I just don't want to, like, go out of my way for, again, to please for me about me to please everybody else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just want to do the right thing. Be a good person. Yeah. Whatever happens, happens. Right. Is your phone on airplane mode, by the way? No. Can you put it on airplane mode? I keep hearing phone static. Really? There it goes. For real? For real. I can't hear a thing. <laughs> you don't? It's because the... you have three little kids. You can hear anything. Mom, <laughs> well, I have found an unexpected perk of Jesus is, so I, um, we went to Florida over Christmas break to visit my sister. Her and her family are snowbirds, so they spend, they spend the cold months there, and we went for a week after, you know, Christmas, and I used to be the worst flyer. I used to be the type of person, like, I am not typically a, a pill person, but I would take a Xanax beforehand just because my anxiety would be through the roof. You know, I couldn't function. I would, I would just be, like, throwing up and nervous. I would be sweating. One time... This is right after I had my first baby and uh, I was flying to, it was a shorter flight. So I think it was, I don't remember, maybe North Carolina. And it was a small airplane because it was, I think I was flying into like High Point, North Carolina. You know what I mean? A very small, yeah, I don't, somewhere near there, there is an airport. Nobody flies into it on a regular basis. It was a really small plane and it was pretty rocky weather. There was a storm, but you know, there's turbulence. I was like, digging my nails into the man I was sitting next to. He was so nice. He was so, he let me, but I had to, because I was like, I need to just hurt something right now (laughs) to deal with this anxiety. I couldn't take it. And that was just, honestly, for, for that to go away, but not just to go away, like now, this time, like I was actually thinking the stark difference of me as a person and I and I remember I was sitting next to my daughters and I closed my eyes and the pilot was like, everybody, make sure your seatbelts stay on. There's we're approaching a ton of turbulence. And I was like, oh, yes, I was like, what? that's going to be great for my nap. <laughs> <laughs> like, no joke. I don't love flying. I don't get like that. I just don't. I'd rather not. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> well, I don't care anymore. I'll go anywhere. That's crazy. That's awesome. Uh huh. Good for you. You've overcome. Jesus. Jesus has overcome. <laughs> yeah, it's because now we're so, we have no fear of dying now. <laughs> you know, my sister said that to me the other day. She's like, I am, I used to be so afraid of death. She's like, I even remember when I was a young child, 
somebody was talking about death. It was she was overhearing a conversation between I think my mom and my grandmother, who has now passed. My, my grandmother. Um, but she overheard them talking about death, and she was like, even as a little girl, I think she said she was like six years old at the time. She's like, I was, I wanted to like throw up, and I and I was like sweating. She's like, from that young of an age, I've been so afraid of death. And she's like, and when you guys talk about it, like you're not scared of it. She's like, and that's reassuring to me. I used to be terrified, not of my death, but I would think so much about people dying. Like people. I, like, pe- yeah, like to being taken from you. It was like creepy. If people were in my mm. head, they would think I was crazy. I used to just like it would just haunt me. I don't know. I always thought about someone I love dying. I have literally cried my ass and been like, Alex, you're going to die. Like, I don't want you to die. I want to go first. I want to go first. Like, <laughs> like insane. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I mean, of course, I don't want him to die. But <laughs> I'm like, bah. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, it has yeah. changed. It has changed. Oh, of Everything. course. Everything. Everything changes. Everything changes under the lens of Jesus. It is so crazy. It's hard to explain that feeling of just, but you know, it says in the, you know, it's it's a peace that surpasses understanding. Yeah. And so I don't understand why all of a sudden I'm not afraid of death. I don't understand fully why I don't care if I'm on a plane and if there's crazy <laughs> turbulence. Like I just, I can't explain that. Yeah. What I know is it's a peace that surpasses my understanding, which is exactly what the Bible says. Absolutely. I just want to say the only way to get that piece, really, I feel like, is everyone has to dive into their Bible. Yeah. You know, like you have to do, you can sit here and listen to us or other podcasts, and they're great, they're awesome, but you have to do your own because you're not going to get, from listening to other people, you're not going to get what you're going to get by like reading, seeing, feeling, interpreting it yourself. Well, I, you know, growing up, we went to church every Sunday. There was not a Sunday that we missed ever. And, you know, and on the holy weekends, we went multiple times, you know. So growing up, I did have a really good understanding of scripture, you know, and I could recognize stories. I knew it well enough to be able to speak about it. Yeah. But there was so much so much that I didn't read or recognize when I started or that I didn't recognize when I started reading it on my own. Yeah. And that's a that's that to me that was like the most eye-opening thing. I'm like these are stories that I had no idea about but they also changed the meaning of some truths for me. Absolutely. You know, so yeah, it's, because people do take things out of scripture, you know, and kind of plant them that yes and i think a lot of times people will do that they'll take but they you know there is also a context an overall context that sometimes gets missed when you're just picking and choosing and that's like that's the realization that i came to from reading it more i absolutely i feel like you just got to read it you got to read it Dive yeah <laughs> do it even doing this do it doing this study for the prophecies how many times did I call or text you? And I'm like, wait, what? This isn't in the Bible? Or something I thought was in the Bible wasn't in the Bible? Or stories I've heard? Or, you know, it was obviously a lot more confusing. Yeah, your as- text. <laughs> Sometimes you send the most <laughs> random text. Last night, I'm ready to go to bed. I don't know what I said. Where, when, when did Satan fall from heaven? Or, like, where is it in, that Satan fell from heaven? Oh, yeah. You know what? <laughs> because my sister was asking me about it. And I texted her, and then after I texted her, I was like, 
did I even say the right thing? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> so I'm like, let me verify Ursula here. She knows so I can look into it a little bit more. But then the like, conversation was over at that point. But anyway, That's yeah. Funny. I'm like, I need the exact story. Of course, you come back to me with scripture. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> of course, Ursula would have things memorized. No, I didn't. I told you I didn't have it memorized. I don't believe you. You text me in 10 seconds. <laughs> I swear I didn't have it memorized. There's no way. There's no way. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about these prophecies. I feel like we glaze over the fulfillment of prophecies in Jesus, but God left us 400 clues or 400 truths about the future Messiah that Jesus fulfilled every single one of. And, you know, so remember when we talked about one of our super fun questions was um, a professor named Peter Stoner. he and his class of 600 students decided to figure out the the probability of somebody fulfilling the New Testament prophecies. Okay, so they got up to the number eight. Like, what if you as a person fulfilled eight of the Old Testament? Did I say New Testament? Pro- Old Testament prophecies. Yeah. What if you as a person fulfilled just eight of the Old Testament prophecies? They found that the the Likelihood. The likelihood or the odds, which are astronomical, of fulfilling just eight, not 400, just eight, would be one in 100 quadrillion. I knew it was going to be a number we didn't understand. That is a one with 17 zeros after it. A qua- One quadrillion is a million billions. That's one quadrillion. And this is a hundred quadrillion. I mean, these are astronomical. This This number cannot be pictured. And, you know, Jesus fulfilled not just eight. Yeah. He fulfilled 400. If he only fulfilled eight, he wouldn't be the Messiah because God left us 400 clues about a Messiah that would be all fulfilled. You know, at some point, AJ, when you're looking at these numbers, it becomes more far-fetched not to believe. Lee Strobel said that. <laughs> Lee Strobel, he did. I'm not, I can't remember the exact quote, but he said it would have, I'm pretty sure it was him, wasn't it? It would take more faith to not believe. It would take more faith not to believe. Yeah, because these numbers are crazy. And there is something very supernatural and eerie about the fact that he fulfilled 400 Old Testament truths. And and while the Old Testament was finished in completion about 400 years before the New Testament began, some of these prophecies are way older. Some of the prophecies we'll be going over today are over 700 years before the birth of Jesus. I mean, this is... Speaking of the birth of Jesus, can I go first? <laughs> I'm always like, can I go first? I'm only asking because mine has to do with the... Yes, go first. I'm dying to hear. Thank you. Um, also, side note, yeah. people don't question if Jesus was real. You know what I mean? Yes. Nobody's well, questioning if Jesus was a real person. No. You know? And we've said it over and over, but there We're is not a historian. It. Nobody, yes. He was definitely a real person. We're just trying to advocate for the fact that he was also God. Sure are. <laughs> okay. like, look at me I'm like so I'm nervous that cheat sheet that you sent me was really good for doing this so you should post that we'll post it I <laughs> think you should post that because it's very helpful um, alright so I'm just going to start with the birth of Jesus Okay. so Jesus was born in Bethlehem which I keep saying Bethlehem it's Bethlehem <laughs> <laughs> Ursula has corrected me 10 times well you're always like Bethlehem I'm like it's not I know him. I just say things I just say words <laughs> So, anywho, he was born in Bethlehem and to Mary and Joseph, and an angel of the Lord came to Joseph <clears throat> and told him there was a 
a king there at the time, King Herod. Um, and he had heard of the of Jesus's birth and he wanted him killed, obviously, because he knew who he was. And so he was killing all he was looking for him and then he was going to kill all the babies two years and younger. So an angel of the Lord came to Joseph and told him to escape to Egypt. So Joseph listened. They escaped to Egypt. So that was actually in the Old Testament. It actually said, I don't want to mess this up, out of Egypt I called my son, which why would he be in Egypt? You know what I mean? Why would Jesus be in Egypt? Right. He There's was no reason for him to be there. Born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth. Yes, which I'm going to get to as well. Um, oh, there was also a prophecy of um, Bethlehem saying, like, Bethlehem is small, but a ruler will come out of it. So that's another mm-hmm. prophecy fulfilled. So just in his birth alone and then moving around, this is like multiple prophecies in the Old Testament that were fulfilled. Yeah. So then they go to Egypt. They're in Egypt. Uh, when King Herod died, another angel of the or an angel of the Lord again came to Joseph in a dream and told them he's dead. You guys can go back. So they went back and they settled in Nazareth. Matthew actually says that in the New Testament, it actually says like this prophecy was fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that Jesus went back to Nazareth. And was a Nazarene. So that's like three prophecies just at Bethlehem. Just in his birth and yes. like, like where he lived and, yes. you know. Being birthed of Mary, a virgin that's actually in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. as well as the fact that there is three prophecies saying that um, the Messiah will be a descendant of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. And mm-hmm. Joseph actually is the descendant. His father, his human father, was a descendant of them. So just, and these are all different prophecies at different times said, Mm -hmm. and all of them go back just to his birth. Mm -hmm. Wow. I don't know how many prophecies I just went through, but there was a lot. I loved it. I loved it. (sighs) Okay. Are you ready for mine? Yeah, go ahead. I have a few. Okay. I'm going to use my notes. I never want to. I don't know which ones you did. You never even told me. I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to surprise you because these are crazy. We would love to do them all, just so everyone knows. All 400. We would love to do them all, but there's just no time. There's no way. But we, but but I hope that from our selection, you guys can see the nature of these prophecies and how difficult it would truly be to fulfill all of them, unless you are the son of God, <laughs> you know? Okay, so in Daniel um, chapter 9, verses 25 to 26, and this was before uh, 500 BC. So before 500 BC, the prophet Daniel wrote that Israel's long-awaited Messiah would begin his public ministry 483 years after the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Okay. Okay. So about 50 years after he wrote this, Persia's king Artaxerxes issued a decree to restore Jerusalem. Exactly 483 years later, a man named Jesus Christ began his public ministry Proclaiming that he is the long-awaited Messiah. I mean, these are, this is insane. This is insane. <laughs> As I was like doing the research with, I was like, I was like sweating. I was like, my heart was like pounding. You're like, I already know. But then when you're doing it, you're like, but I didn't. I know. Why does that happen? I uh, why? I'm like, I know this is true. But like, yet, why am I having this reaction? Yeah. It's like the spirit was like working in me. <laughs> That is. It's exactly what it's doing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, So in Zechariah uh, chapter 11, verses 12 to 13, um, 
he wrote that the Messiah would be betrayed uh, for the price of a slave, which we know from the Old Testament was 30 pieces of silver, although he doesn't say 30 pieces. We just know because in another part of the, I think in Genesis, it says the price of a slave is 30 pieces of silver. So Zechariah writes that the Messiah will be betrayed, and he further writes that that money would then be purchased. I love that you did this one. To to purchase a burial ground for Israel's poor foreigners. Okay, that was the prophecy. About 500 years after this was written, we have recorded in both the New Testament and in history, um, you know, in historical records, that Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver and the money was indeed used to buy the potter's field for a burial ground. But here's why. This is a very unusual fulfillment of this prophecy because the money that was used, the money that was that Jesus was sold for began be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? belonged to Judas. Okay, Judas owned the money. And so he wouldn't have purchased a potter's field with it, right? But what happened is he ended up, as soon as he saw, as soon as he gave up Jesus's name, he got his money and then he betrayed him. Uh, as soon as he saw what he did, he regretted it, Yeah. right? He knew he had condemned an innocent man. He instantly regretted it. He went back to the priests and he was like, I don't want this money. And they were like, we don't want your blood money. They, we don't want it either. And so he threw it at them, but they wouldn't put it in their treasury because it was blood money. So they ended up, they said, well, why don't we just buy the potter's field and use it as a burial ground? I almost did that one. Yeah. Because of the potter's field. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what is it about the potter's field that's so special? Judas. It's the story of Judas. Yes. You no, you I have know. this obsession with Judas. Oh, my gosh. Don't say it like that. Oh, I mean, not like a good way. Like, oh, my lantern. No, I don't. No, I don't. <laughs> no, like just like you always bring him up. Always. I, ju- I said it last time. I can't believe it. I cannot fathom it. <laughs> can't fathom it. <laughs> okay. All right, what else you got? All right, moving on. Uh, so Psalm 22, Psalm 34, uh, Psalm 22, Psalm 34, and Zechariah. That's interesting, Psalm 34. Sorry, okay, <laughs> side note. I was, li- I was listening to the Psalm 34 song this morning. That's why I said that's interesting. Okay, going back. <laughs> Reel it in. Reel it in. Sorry, I'm, I'm AJ right now. <laughs> okay. Okay, moving on. So it says that, or no, both Israel's King David and the prophet Zechariah basically described the Messiah's death in words that perfectly depicted a crucifixion. But um, crucifixion wasn't even a thing when they wrote this. It wasn't a thing until 400 years after they wrote this. So it's very unusual that they described that he would be nailed to a cross, right? Yeah. Um, they even wrote, they even further wrote that his body would be pierced and that his bones wouldn't be broken. Okay, but we know now, they didn't know then, but we know now that a crucifixion and broken bones custom like usually went hand in hand. Yeah. Because once they they nailed you to the cross, they just wanted you to die. They weren't like gonna wait around for you to die. And so they would typically break your legs as well to to speed up the manner of death. But they wrote that the Messiah's bones would not be broken. Okay, so historians and the New Testament confirm Jesus died on a Roman cross 
and his very unusually quick death eliminated the need for the usual breaking of bones. And then John 1931 confirms that they did pierce his side, though, with a lance. Wow. That's crazy. I did not look that one up. No, I'm gonna look. That I mean, there's tonight. 400 age. I mean, like we have so much, you know. There and and every single one of these prophecies is very specific and and unusual, you know. Like like we said, you know, even if you just fulfilled eight of them, the odds would be a number that we cannot even fathom. But he, Jesus fulfilled 400. <laughs> okay, I mean, his birth alone <laughs> yeah. fulfilled a million. But th- but then, you know, as I'm like studying these prophecies too, like I'm I'm thinking about it and I'm like, but why does it matter? Like really, why does, I mean, yes, of course it matters because God wanted to let us know about the Messiah, right? Yeah. But why does it matter that Jesus became a man? You know, why would it matter? But honestly, it do- it matters to every single one of us. It matters to all of us personally because first and foremost, he's easier to relate to and understand. Yeah. You know, when, when your God is a human, you know, it you can you can relate to him. We can relate to Jesus because Jesus was a person. But it also matters because he can understand us. Yeah. He was he he didn't live an easy life. Like he understood oppression. He understood being poor. He understood being tempted, you know, he being hated, being rejected. He knows what we're we can talk to him because he knows he intimately knows everything we are going through. I don't I don't remember where I got it, but I had read a comment someone wrote on something saying, like, why would God send a human as the Messiah? Like, why would he, why would you need a human sacrifice? Was it like saying, like, because it's so, like, it was like, like, it was just saying, like, Christianity's crazy. Got it. Okay. Like, that would be so stupid if he's God. Why would he have to do that? Yeah. And first of all, you have to, you have to understand, like, what you could say that about anything. Why would why in the Old Testament were they sacrificing animals? You know what I mean? Like, why? Just because we don't understand it, like, you have to go beyond what you can see. Mm-hmm. You know, I just thought that was such a weird way to put it. Like, why would God do this? Like, I don't know. I don't know why he did. Yeah, I don't have the answer. But surely, why does anyone do anything? There's a purpose. There's a reason in it. Yeah. No, I got it. And and you know, and God says, you know, in those moments, like his we are told his ways are higher than our ways. His understanding is not our own. And so I always fall back on that because there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot that I'm like, okay, do not understand this. That you know, but you just have to like fall back on yeah. his ways are higher than ours, you know, and yeah, there is a reason. But at the same time, the Messiah, that's a for me, that would be that's that seems easy to talk about because it's like because we cannot do it on our own. Yeah. We need to accept a Messiah. Like we need a sacrifice on our behalf because we are not good enough to go to heaven without it. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, but it's true. That was just the first time reading that that I realized someone even questioned a Messiah being human. It was just weird. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Didn't really? Even know that was okay. A thing. Yeah. Have you ever thought about that? No. Like people, I was like, what? No, I haven't. It's just strange. But anyways, guys, we are on YouTube now. So if you are an audio podcast listener, please also know you can check us out on YouTube on our channel, The One Lost Sheep Podcast. Or don't. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I am so happy we're doing video now. Actually, it's funny because 
my husband kept telling, you know, our our entire season one, he's like, you got to get on video. You got to get on video. And I was like, that's not even a thing for us. We're not even thinking about that. No. Let me figure out how to edit first. <laughs> Actually, when we first met, we were like, we are not doing it. We are never doing a video not podcast. Not doing it. Yeah. yeah, I know. And he was, he just kept on it. He kept on it. And it's been so well received in the ultimate. Thanks a lot. Wife move. <laughs> I'm going to admit on air, he was right. <laughs> All right, guys, this is the end of our show today. Please join us in two weeks as we talk about prophecies that have not yet been fulfilled, particularly relating to the end times. It's going to be it's going to be scary. It'll be good. It'll be good. And please follow us at Tolls Podcast on Instagram and Twitter and The One Lost Sheep on Facebook and YouTube. And The One Lost Sheep Podcast on YouTube. Thanks, Age. As always, may God bless you. And may the spirit